So what we said at the end is we want to show you something simple. Last week, basic need food. This week, basic need water. God is really into basic needs. What I'm going to set up for you this morning is that through creation, what we see about our maker through our creator is he presents to us a buffet of basic needs in creation. That's who God is. That's what God does. It's amazing what God provides for us. And that tells us a lot about God, who God is and what he does. And when we figure out who God is and what he does, and then we follow, we get to experience the power of Christmas and what Christmas is really all about. We want to talk about... Emmanuel today. Very important title given in the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1. Let's read it. I think it'll be familiar to many of you, this story dealing with God speaking to Joseph. Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. What does that mean? It means God with us. I want to give you context. Those words were written roughly 2,000 years ago. But the ending part, the part about talk about Emmanuel, God with us, is from Isaiah chapter 7, which was written 2,700 years ago, 700 years before the angel here is speaking to Joseph about Mary conceiving and giving birth to Jesus Christ. So what is the context 2,700 years ago and Isaiah? I want to sum up the context for you in three words. Things were bad. <laughs> Things were really bad. And God's answer to the problems going on in the world was this, Emmanuel. God said, you, I've got the solution for you. I have the solution to all the problems that are going on in your life. It's really, really bad. Things seem so daunting. You're never going to make it through. Life is over. It's hopeless. That's what was going on 2,700 years ago as this prophecy goes from Isaiah to the king and to all the people there. It's really, really bad. God's answer, God's solution, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I realize that this morning, some of us are facing some tough stuff, different levels. Maybe it's really, really bad. Maybe it's kind of so, so bad, whatever. God's solution has not changed. The solution is Emmanuel, God with us. There's the solution. Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what we want to unpack this morning. How can that make a difference in my life? And the goal is, is that we would experience the power of Christmas. That when we figure out who God is and what God does, and then we follow him in it, that we would experience the power in Christmas. Because Christmas is meant to be a powerful time, not a normal time. It's not just same old, same old, same old. Some of us are going through a tough time. We're looking back over 2015. Oh man, I need some help. God's solution to the problem is Emmanuel, God with us. So let's pause and pray and ask that God would help us, no matter where we are and what we're experiencing, that we would experience what God wants us to experience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you. Powerful words, life-changing words. 
Be with each one of us today, God, and reveal what is it that we need to see? What is it that we need to hear? What is it that we need to experience in these next few moments, Father, with you? We have come together by and large today because we want to have an encounter with you. And we want to leave this place knowing that we've heard something, experienced something, been touched by you, had something clarified. And we walk back out these doors and we're not quite the same as when we came in. God, let us experience the power of Christmas. In Christ's name, amen. All right, Emmanuel, I want to ask you this as we're thinking about Christmas, right? And who's excited about Christmas? Is anybody excited at Christmas time? Yes. The rest of you, it's like bah humbug, you know, right? Just tired, tired, tired of it already. What do you think about when you think about Christmas? Like what immediately, when I say Christmas, what immediately comes to your mind right up the top? Anything? Anybody? Christmas? I hear music, Christmas music. We just sang some beautiful music. Presents. Presents. I hope you get what you want. I hope you get what you want. Lights. Family. Family. So you have a good family. So you thought of family, right? Right? Trees. St- stars? Star. 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 The star on the Christmas. Very good. Okay. Okay. Anybody ever been to the Maryfield Santa? Anybody even know who the Maryfield Santa is? You know, the guy's 100 years old, right? Anybody been to the Maryfield Santa? Amazing. I always think of the Maryfield uh, Santa out at Maryfield Garden Center in Maryfield, Virginia, right down the road. Guy's like 100 years old. He's been playing Santa, I think, 75 years, something crazy. He was 12 years old living in an orphanage up in upstate New York and uh, felt bad for the younger kids living there with him. And so he decided one day that he was going to take a trip to the rich side of town and ask for any used toys that they had. And he took it on himself at the age of 12 to wrap up those toys. He he didn't know what else to put. So he put steel wool on his face, cut his face all up at the age of 12. He didn't know what better, put steel on his face and played Santa and gave toys up. He's been doing it ever since and he's out at Merrifield. I'm assuming he's still alive. I have not seen the report this year, but we used to take every year. So we think of all kinds of things at Christmas time, including presents. Here's the number one thing that I think of at Christmas time. I think of brown trucks, brown boxes, and brown uniforms. That's what I think of. What can brown do for you, right? I, 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 only, I only worked for UPS for three years out of college, but it transformed Christmas for me. You know what I'm saying? That's all I can think about at Christmas. That's how powerful UPS was in my life. It was very, very powerful. It had a powerful, profound impact. I mean, at Christmas time for me, Christmas time is 15-hour days. Christmas time is total exhaustion. Like when I, get to, when I finally get to Christmas Day and I'm there with the kids, I'm just like knocked out dead on the floor because I've been running a sprint for the last last 45 days for UPS, driving the car and bringing all you those wonderful packages that you love to see. For me, Christmas time at UPS was about yelling, screaming, fighting, man, just all kinds of stuff going on. It was the most wonderful time of the year. It was just so awesome for me. That was UPS. When we, when, when, when we first got out of college and we came back, we we're living with my parents actually right down the street from here and we we're saving up money and I'm driving a package car for UPS and it's cold and you're running, you can't really take care of it. It's hard to write with the gloves on your hand. I didn't have gloves there. I remember my hands were so badly ripped open, all this chapped. And I can remember my mom coming in in the middle of the night just before Christmas and my hands were so bad. And she put bag balm all over. I don't know what bag balm is, but she just coated my hands down with this bag balm and then put plastic gloves over top of my hands. And I didn't know that I had like little nostrils in my hands somewhere, like lungs, but I felt like my hands couldn't breathe. And I can still feel it. I had to rip them off in the middle 
like, Mom, what are you doing to me? I can't. I remember that so distinct. I remember, I remember the Holiday Inn down in Roslyn. It was on my route. I was there every day, like different packages of the Holiday Inn. I remember they gave me a bottle of alcohol. I don't know if it was Jack Daniels. I don't know if it was vodka. I can't remember what it was, but it was big. It was really big. And it was on a real flimsy cardboard, right? And I remember putting it in the back of the truck, but you're so busy, right? You're so busy. I just, and so I forgot about it. And then driving and bam, spang against the metal sides. And it just cracked open. And, and the alcohol was all over the back of the truck. So every time I opened the truck, I'd whoosh, you know, it was like a liquor store, right? That was great when I got back to the terminal that day. What have you been doing all day, John? Man, I've been drinking all day, right? So it's, everything smelled of alcohol bad because it soaked into all the boxes. I remember driving back to the terminal one day. This wasn't the same day with the alcohol. You can understand why in just a second because we would have had an explosion. But I was at Van Dorn and Duke Street and I was thinking, man, the heater on this truck is really working well. And I looked down and flames leaped out from the, from the engine and I reached up, but behind me was on this side, the fire extinguisher. I took that thing out and I was all excited. I was going to put it out and, and nothing came out of it. Right? And about that time, somebody banged on the side. There's another driver in a brown uniform, right? Another UPS brother. And uh, he's like, hey, what's going on? I said, we got this fire. He's like, ah, just leave it. Let's go. And so I, no. So he ran back and he, he got his fire extinguisher and his worked and we put it out and then we got on his truck and we went back and we left the truck right there in the middle of all the traffic and somebody, I hope, came and picked it up. <clears throat> here's my, here's my, most, my, mo- my most vivid memory and here's what it has to do with this message. My most vivid memory of Christmas. Christmas is huge at UPS, everybody. I mean, it is just huge. Things ramp up. I already described that to you. Things are really tense. Mounds and mounds and avalanche of boxes. I had by other driver's standards when I first joined UPS. I'll never forget it. It was like in September, just in the run-up before Christmas. And they all said to me, because everybody had to qualify. You had to qualify in 40 days, at 45 days. If you didn't get it right, then you, you were out. And the last couple guys actually got axed on my route. They, could, they, didn't, they didn't work, okay? And they all said to me, you're in trouble, buddy. And they know me from Adam. They said, you're in trouble uh, because you have the worst route in the building. Oh, no. And so uh, I went out there, and it was bad. And I worked um, a whole year with that, and it was really, really bad. And so we got to Christmas time, and I was getting a little bit fed up. So for those of you who are fed up on your job and you're wondering, is there any answer? I'm going to tell you, there could be an answer. I prayed like crazy. This is, this, is, this is terrible. UPS, what they do is they measure you by seconds, everybody, seconds. And when you walk in every day into your area of work with about 40 other drivers, right, 95% were men, you know, and so up on this board, there would be all the printout, everybody's name, and then how you did every day of your life, every day, down to the second. And so my route was bad. That meant I was over some. I remember I was over one day, one second, and the supervisor took a big red marker, and he circled my name, question mark, and just wrote, why? And he might as well, you know, why, idiot, stupid, loser, right? You might as well write all those things. That's what's associated. And that happened day after day after day. And so it's Christmas time. I had two supervisors, and then we had the center manager, which is way up the food chain, who's in charge of all of Arlington County. I remember walking one day, and the supervisor says, go go up there, center manager's waiting for you. So I went up to the center manager, I go into his office, and he looks me in the eye, he says, you are doing so poorly, I am going to leave, and he looked at his desk, I'm leaving all of this behind, and I'm coming down there. Down there was where the trucks were. He's above the trucks. I'm coming down there and I'm browning up just for you. Now, browning up, okay, you know what that means. He's putting, he's putting on the brown. Now, here's the thing. 
Our center manager, nobody had seen him in brown for decades. You understand? So when I walked in the next morning and all the other drivers saw our center manager in brown, they knew he was riding with them. Like, oh, my gosh, what did you do? You have really blown it now because he doesn't brown up for anybody. I remember when I got home that night before the day, before the day, I remember I called my nana. My nana uh, loved to pray, huge prayer person, huge prayer person. Just pray, pray, pray. What can I pray? Always praying. I had a friend of mine that was so afraid of my grandmother. He thought my grandmother was so holy. He said he, said he poked his head into her bedroom one day, and he thought he saw the Ark of the Covenant in there. <laughs> and uh, just really thought super holy. I, called, I said, Nana, I said, if you've ever prayed, you've got to pray now. You've got to pray for me because I've got a problem. And she prayed. And I'm telling you right now, the next day I had supernatural strength. Now you're amped up anyway. Your adrenaline's rolling because the center manager is with you. But I had something way beyond that. And I ran for 12 hours straight that day. And it was a nightmare. And he experienced what I was experiencing. He put the brown on with me and he saw what I was dealing with. And one thing about UPS is they're never wrong. That was our deal. Our supervisor, our manager were never wrong. It was always us that were wrong. We were always doing something wrong, but he experienced what I was experiencing. And you know what happened as a result of that? Everything changed. Everything changed. That day, here's the deal with UPS. If you miss a package, which means you didn't try to attempt to deliver that package, you would be fired. Miss one, you're fired. Miss one, you're fired. We missed over 30 packages that day with him. We were three hours, we weren't seconds, we were three hours over on the time because we did everything, right? I, you know, uh, usually I wouldn't eat a lunch. That day we had to eat a lunch, right? All those things that we did, he was slowing me down, right? All that. What I'm telling you, because he browned up and he came down from up there, down with me, everything changed. I usually got home after 8 o'clock every night. I started getting home between 5 and 5.30, ready for this? Being paid the exact same amount of money. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> I used to get home after 8 o'clock at night after an exhausting day. And I started getting home between 5 and 5.30 being paid the exact same amount of money. My whole world changed. Why did it change? Because he browned up and he came down. Now, can you get the connection? Jesus Christ looked at our situation and he said, here's my solution. I'm going to take on skin. I'm going to take on flesh. This is who I am. And I'm coming down there. I'm com- and that's a vulnerability issue, isn't it? Because when you come down, you can get hurt. This is why it is so unusual. You don't find any other philosophies in the world that say God's coming down, taking on skin, because God doesn't do that. He doesn't get involved in our mess. The center manager never comes down, right? The center manager never comes down. But he's coming down. When he comes down, everything changes. And that is the story of Christmas. I want to read something to you from Proverbs. It's this wonderful verse from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31. This is what it says. Again, who God is, what God does, then we follow and we experience the power of Christmas. We experience the power of Almighty God. Here's what it says. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. Why? What do we know about our maker, our maker, our creator, that would tell us that if I oppress the poor, there's going to be a problem with my maker and my creator? It goes on. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. What do we know about our creator, our maker, then then tells us that God is really concerned with people who need something on a very basic level? Abraham Maslow, right? Familiar with him? Right? Anybody? Abraham Maslow, right? Psychologist, right? Okay. Hierarchy of needs. 
Who knows what's on the bottom of the pyramid as the most basic level that human beings need, the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy? What do you need more than anything else? Exactly. Physical needs, food, water, food, water, food, and water. Isn't it interesting that when we read through the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2 that God provides us a buffet of basics? All the basic needs are taken care of in abundance. God, this is what it got. And then when Jesus Christ comes along and puts skin, skin in the game, what does he do? He goes around feet. The only story, miracle of Jesus Christ that is found in all four biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the feeding of the five. That should tell us something right away. Jesus is feeding hungry people, only story. Jesus comes along and says, you know what? Here's how we're going to make a difference in this world. We're going to take care of people's basic needs and we're going to do it in the name of justice, of love, of mercy, because this is who God is. This is who Emmanuel is. We're going to take care of basic needs. Whoever gives a cup of cold water in my name, right? The hierarchy of needs. And so we see God coming along. So we learn about our creator. We learn about who he is and what he does. And then we follow. When we know who he is and what he does and we follow, we experience the power of God. We experience the power of Christmas. This is why we're focused 100,000 meals last week. Most of those meals are going to go to some of the most vulnerable people on the planet. Now, consistently, even in the United States of America, the most vulnerable people and most people who need help, consistently need help are women and children. It's just a fact. So those meals last week, for the most part, are going to go to children in schools because they're the most vulnerable, the very ones that God is in. Micah 6.8. What is Micah 6.8? What does God require of you? Now, all of us should stop right there. It's a famous verse. It's a famous verse. We should stop right there. It's a requirements. That always grabs my attention. I've heard, the, I've heard it a million times. It still grabs my attention. You know why? Because of school. <laughs> right? Because going through college or seminary, I always want to know what is the basic requirement. Why do I want to know it? Because I want to know, I don't want to go a step beyond the basic requirement to, to get an A, right? That's what I, I want to know, the basic. Tell me what the basic. And God says, here's the thing. Here's, here it is. Here's the requirement that I have on you to do justice. Justice. Justice is to take care of the same thing that we see God taking care of in his word, which is always basic needs first. Food, water, and of course, the importance of salvation through Jesus Christ. Food water. And this is why we see Jesus going around all over the place, providing basic needs, providing basic. He's providing water. He's providing food. Why do you think we have story after story about Jesus Christ providing those basic things? Why do we, why do, why do we read this? Whoever gives a cup of cold water in my name, right? Or bringing people in for a meal. Why is his kingdom described as a banquet? All these wonderful things, but they deal with basic needs. So he says, I want you, here's my requirement. I want you to do justice. So I want you to do the same thing I do. I want you to provide basic needs for people. And then what? Love mercy. So justice is what, what we do. The mercy is the attitude in which we do it in. So maybe we might do justice, but maybe we might not have a merciful attitude. And God says, you know what? You actually, we got to bring the two of those together. And then to walk humbly with your God. This is what God requires. It is a full buffet of basic provisions for us. Jeremiah 22. I found these two verses in Jeremiah to be very, very powerful. Because if you think about it, I want to know God. I want to experience his power. Listen to this. What's happening here? Let me give you the background. Jeremiah is speaking to a king who's not a good king, and he's talking to him about his father who did do well. And look what he says to this king who's not doing well about his father. Did not your father have food and drink? Hmm. Food and drink. 
he did what was right and just. So all went well with him. Do you get the connection? He had food and drink and he did justice. Same thing God's asking us. Same thing God's requiring of us. Making sure the basic needs for people who don't have the basic needs taken care of are taken care of. This is what's required, okay? He did what was right. That was the right thing to do. And just, everything went well with him because he was doing those things. Verse 16. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy. This is what God is asking. This is who God is. And so all went well. Now here's the part I want us to see. So important. Here's, where does it all end? It all ends right here. Is that not what it means to know me? You want to know God? You want to know God and the power of salvation? You want to know God and the power of Christmas? You want to experience and encounter God? Look, I've said this a million times. I'll keep saying it. The number one reason that people go to church, whether you're a church person or non-church person, is we show up today because we want to encounter God. And so here it is. You want to know God? You want to experience God? You want this to be the most powerful Christmas ever? Then the basic need, food and drink, as it says right here, this is how we know God. This is how we live it out. This is how we understand who God is, what God does, and then we follow him and we follow him into this very powerful encounter with Almighty God, and we know him. This is what God is calling us to do. All right. Um, I want to I show you a picture, okay? I want to show you a picture of something that we did about six, seven months ago. Now, unless you ate a lot of carrots, you can't read what's on that banner, so uh, I want to read it for you. So what it says on that banner, you have this whole village of people, the, and, and the guy all the way here to the left with his hand up, right, he's the pastor of a church in India. They did not have access to clean water. And the banner says, thank you, Grace Community Church, for providing us with clean water. We did that seven months ago. We partnered with an organization called Living Water. And if you were here weeks ago, you heard our philosophy on missions around here. We used, I used that at the time. I used this see it, S-E-E. We want to always put skin in the game. We want to partner with organizations that are highly effective and highly efficient, S-E-E. Skin in the game, highly effective, highly efficient. Living Water is one of those. Some of you have seen recently Consumer Reports put this thing out that if you're going to if you're going to give money to to a charity, you should go on Charity Watch, you should go on give.org, you should go on those to make sure Living Water four stars at the top of the list. These are the organizations we want to partner with because we want to know that what we're doing, that what we're doing, that well costs us $5,000 to build. What we're doing is actually really going to make a difference in a highly effective, highly efficient way, and it's going to allow us to put some skin in the game with what's going on. So we do this. I want to give you some stats about water real quick. I mentioned them on the... Uh, on the video that was there last week on the big jumbotron for those of you who were in the gymnasium. Wasn't that jumbotron? That was, that was, I thought that was really, really cool. All right, so here's some stats about water. Many children don't go to school because they are out collecting water. In Africa alone, women, in Africa alone, women spend 40 billion hours walking for water. Now, we spent some time with our youth group here from Grace in Guatemala this past summer. And one of the things that we did is we delivered filters to them. And what we had to hear was stories of people who were drinking terrible. Guatemala leads Latin American malnutrition. Number one reason why? Dirty water. Number one reason why? Dirty water. And some of the people that we saw, just tiny malnutrition. And they're set back. They're set back mentally as well. As a result of this, they need clean water. And we heard stories of people having to walk miles. We were on the top of a mountain one day, and they were telling us, you know, we have to get up 5 o'clock in the morning. we got to walk 
almost all the way down the bottom of the mountain. We've got to get a couple pails of water, and we've got to bring it back up. And, of course, that's not enough water, so you've got to go back and do it over and over. And over. So all kinds of time. Children could be in school. They're collecting water. Women can be doing something else. They're collecting water. Diseases from dirty water kill more people on this planet, 2.2 million people. Diseases from dirty water kill more people on this planet than all forms of violence, including war. Did you know that? That's huge. I have a quote here. It's on the Charity Water uh, website. This is what it says. This is about the economics of what water does. Access to clean water is perhaps the single most powerful tool for sparking economic growth that humanity has ever known. That's on the Charity Water website, another highly rated organization that provides clean water. So I want to encourage all of you to take this out right now. So last week we made 100,000 meals, and I said at the end of it, at, at that whole thing, the video, said, we're going to give you an opportunity, a simple, simple, everybody, simple modification to what you're doing in your daily lives so that you can provide clean water, so that you could do what Jesus does, so that you could do what Jesus does, so you could provide basic needs, the same thing, and so you can experience all the power of Christmas, so you can put skin in the game, so you could come down and put skin on for people who are in a very challenging situation and who need clean water in the name of Jesus Christ. So you have this here before you. I want to explain real quick. We're going to ask you in just a moment. You can start filling out now if you want to, but you'll see there's a place here where you can put your name on the back of it and you can put the number of meals. What we're trying to do is what's on the front. We're trying to, over the next seven days, build seven wells in seven days all over India. I'd love to tell you the exact region that we're going to in India, but I can't. Because the area, the region in India that we're going to, Living Water asked us not to say it. Because it's a violent area and the people could be persecuted. So we're going to a place that's a dangerous place, providing water. And I want you to know this, we're providing water for everybody. Everybody in that area. Everybody in there. It's not just because they'll go through churches. I mean, that's where they'll be built. They'll be churches and pastors. But the whole region. Anybody wants water? Come and get water. Right? That's what we're going to do. Okay. So we want to ask you to do this. I want you to fill this out, how many meals you eat this week, and so what's up with the meals and what's up with the beans and rice. Let's, ex let's explain what's going on with all the beans and rice. Much of the world eats beans and rice. Uh, quite economical, right? It's quite economical. It's not like eating steak and lobster. It's more economical. So here's what we're asking you to consider. So I'm asking you to consider this. How many meals of beans and rice would you be willing to eat this week Take the money that you save. Now, we're making some guesses here. Some of you are very frugal. I mean, you're eating on five bucks a meal, okay? God bless you. You're eating like rabbits. It's wonderful. It's, we, think it's, we think it's awesome. Some of you are spending 15, you know, 20 bucks a meal. So if you just work with us for a second, we're figuring out the average is probably somewhere around 10 bucks per person per meal. Somewhere in the neighborhood, 10 bucks per person for a meal. Would you be willing to go out and get beans and rice and to eat a bean and rice meal and to take that roughly 10 bucks, come back next week and to give that money. So if I eat one meal, let's just say hypothetically, okay, then I give $10 special collection. There'll be special collection places. You'll see them. They'll say seven wells a day. A hundred percent of what goes in those special collections, a hundred percent will go to living water to build seven wells in seven days. Okay? Now, some of you are thinking, okay, you got multiple people in your family. Well, uh, I, I don't know how your family functions. 
all of us function in a different way, all right? So maybe you want to fill this out for yourself. It's like, you know, I can't answer from my spouse or my kids. Or anybody. So maybe you want to fill out yourself and you say, you know what, I'm going to eat two meals this week. I'm going to mark out two meals. Other of you, you know, you just like take control of your family. You're like, we are all going to eat these meals and then you can write that total number. Am I making sense? So either way, you can figure it out. Some of you have children, you know, back in Graceland. You're thinking, well, I'm not sure if they're going to be into the beans and rice, uh, if they're going to want to do this. You know, if it's me, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm a bad parent. I'm just going to decide for my kids that we're going to eat beans and rice. But some of you are wonderful parents, you're great parents, and you're going to consult them first. And I'm going to tell you in a minute, we're going to pass all these down to our right once we fill them out. And some of you are going to say, I need to hold on to this so I can actually talk to my kids. You can do that. Derek's going to be in the lobby. He's going to be holding his hand up like this. You can bring it to him later. But we would like to invite you to fill it out now as I'm going to fill mine out now. And then after you do, to pass it down to your right, to your right. Let everything go to the right. We're going to collect. And what you're passing down is the perforated piece at the bottom. So you keep, you keep most, of the, most of the door hanger, right? But we keep just the bottom portion, and here's the reason why. We figure it's going to take about 4,000 meals. And if you, look, if, you, if you look around the room, if you look around the room, everybody, you realize that either, a, either we're going to... Either we're all going to eat four to five beans and rice meals this week or we're going to spread the love around. And we're, we're going to, maybe you can take, the ushers have extra of these and you're going to tell your family and friends about it and you're going to diminish your, your pain. I had a guy came to me and says, I love beans and rice. Okay, good, good. You love beans and rice, it's awesome. Not everybody in the room feels that way. So I don't know what your level of pain is with beans and rice, but you can spread the love to other people and let them know they can be involved with us. So if you'll take a second, I'll fill mine out how many meals that you'll eat or how many meals your family will eat, whatever you want to put, and then pass to your right. We're going to collect those. Okay. All right. Pass it right down. Beautiful. Okay, this is awesome what you're doing. We appreciate this uh, very much. Just as you're finishing this up and having a good time with it, I just want to say this. Our theme is together we can do more. Together we can do more. The task is daunting when you look at the water need, clean, the need for clean water around our planet. It's huge. I want to tell you this. This is really important. World Health, World Health Organization said about a decade ago, they came out with a statistic that there was about 1.1 billion people on the planet, 1.1 billion people. I messed up in the first service at 1.1 trillion people, and I realized we don't quite have that many people on the planet, okay? As <laughs> getting a little excited. 1.1 billion people 10 years ago didn't have access to clean water. Today, the numbers are around 600 million. There's been a huge difference made. So you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, are we really going to make that? You are going to make an impact. These wells, this is an actual working well. We, we drilled a hole in the stage, okay? So this... There's a working well, right? Right? This, you see what we got here, okay? Working well. We will build seven wells in India. These wells will be maintained 
We will get a full report back. I have this report from the one you already have seen. I got a full report on it where the community writes, the pastor writes. Oh, he's like, oh my gosh, it just totally changed life. Meeting basic needs. Why are you meeting basic needs, pastor? Well, because that's what we believe Jesus does. He gives cups of cold water. That's what we believe. That's, so that's, you know, actually, I got to tell you, that's a, that, that is God's model for evangelism. Many time our model of evangelism comes in, hey, you need Jesus. Thank you very much. Thank you for telling me that. Jesus' model of evangelism, here's a cup of cold water. Why are you doing this? Well, because uh, Jesus Christ loves you. Right, very effective. Uh, these, these wells will go in. They'll be maintained. Thousands and thousands of people all around these villages will get access to clean water for year after year after year after year. That number has been cut in half. We can do more. The, the situation seems daunting, but I want you to know this. Together, we can do more. Together, collectively, we can make a difference. And it's huge. Now, I don't want you to do this. I'm going to tell you what I don't want. I already told you what I want you to do. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to get excited about this and say, well, all right, I'll eat a meal of beans and these wonderful Goya beans and rice or something, you know, this week. But, you know, this is awesome. I'm just going to, maybe I won't. I hate beans and rice, so I'll just give the money. We don't want you to do that. If you need to do something else, some other thing that you come up with to save money, like, if you didn't have Starbucks for a day, we could probably build a whole well, right? <laughs> Whole, whole, whole well. Boom. Right there, whole well. Okay. Whatever you need to do. But what we don't want you to do, what we don't, what we don't want you to do is this. We want you to come in and say, oh, well, here, 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 here you go. Here's, just, here's some money. Don't do that. Why don't we? Because you're missing the power. The power is the center manager came down and browned up and everything changed. The power is that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, no other philosophy known to man has God taken on skin, coming down and rescuing us and changing us. And we want you to experience the most powerful Christmas ever. If you do the beans and rice this week, eat the beans and rice and remember the people who don't have access to clean water and say a prayer for them. Say a prayer for them. Because they're going to get these wells. Say a prayer and see if you don't begin to experience the power of God and the power of Christmas like never before. Put skin in the game. Put skin in the game. Together we can do so much more. I want to remind you of this last thing, then we're going to stand and pray. Last thing. Emmanuel means God is with us. Emmanuel means God is with us. And here's the mantra. And we're going to keep going because when we get into the start of the year, we're going to talk about the book of Joshua. And I'm going to remind you this all the time. God is with you. God is with you. If you're having a great day today, God's with you. If you're having a bad day today, God is with you. All this week as you're eating beans and rice or whatever you're doing this week or whatever decisions you have to make or whatever crisis you find yourself in or whatever good point you find yourself in, no matter where you find yourself this week, you've got to know this one thing that God is with you. God is with you. This is what Christmas is about. Emmanuel, God is with you. Can we all stand and pray together? I sure hope that you'll consider coming back next week because next week we want to celebrate. Next week we want to talk about good news of great joy, the birth of Jesus Christ. It is integral. What Jesus Christ does for us is he is with us. He puts skin in the game. But integral to Jesus Christ is celebration and joy. And next week we're going to try to blow the ceiling off of this place and celebrate seven wells in seven days and see if we met the challenge or not. 
If you're in need of prayer, I just want to say, right over here is our prayer wall. I want to encourage you with that. If this is your first time here, right over there, I'd love to meet you at something called Grace in Five. In five minutes or less, I'm going to tell you everything there is to know about this church. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody here. I thank you for all the meals of beans and rice or whatever else we will do to modify our daily lives and to give these cups of water, these wells in the name of Jesus Christ. God, as we do this this week, I hope that all of us can remember that you are with us, that we're just not sitting there by ourselves or with our family and friends and eating beans and rice and it has no impact, but God, you're actually with us. And as we think and pray about people who don't have access to clean water, as we understand who you are and what you do and we follow you into that, God, that the power and the awareness of your presence in our lives will be so real that God will experience the most powerful Christmas ever as we do what you do. Father, I ask that you bless every single person here this morning because, God, some of us are having a great day today. Some of us had a great year this year, but some of us need your help. Lord, I just ask that you would be Emmanuel to us and that you would come and invade our lives and nothing would ever be the same. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thanks, everybody, for being here and being a part of the challenge. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.